Well, it's good to be here today. I just, I'm, I'm just digging this new stage design. Don't you love this one? I mean, this is, this is my favorite. This is the, I, I affectionately call that the horizontal dance floor right there because we, we don't, you know, can't dance. So anyway, the horizontal, you get it? That's awesome. Thank you to everyone who participated this week in, in getting that up. Man, anything that looks good behind me while I'm preaching is a benefit, isn't it? I mean, it, it just kind of enhances, makes me look better, and, and I appreciate that. Today I want to talk to you uh, from the Word of God about wisdom. Wisdom from the Word, and we're specifically going to look in the book of Proverbs. So you can have your Bible open to the book of Proverbs. I'll start with one verse, and that's chapter 16, verse 9. And today what we're going to talk about, and really that's what I'm doing today, is talking to you, maybe more than preaching to you. I'm going to talk to you about choosing wisely. I think it is imperative that we make good, godly decisions. Because really, your life is all about the decisions you make. If you make good decisions, you're going to have a good life. If you make bad decisions, guess what? You're in for trouble. Here's what Proverbs chapter 16, verse 9 says. We can make our plans, but it is the Lord who determines our steps. And so in everything we do, we need to plan wisely, but we need to understand if those plans are going to succeed, we need to make good godly decisions, and we need to be allowing God Almighty to direct our steps, to lead us in the right path, and we need to be doing His will His way. So Heavenly Father, I pray that you would direct our minds to your word today, and as I try to speak on the outside, I do pray that you would speak to every heart here in this room. Help us to understand the importance of making good, godly decisions. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen. So today we're going to talk about decision making. One of the marks of spiritual maturity is knowing how to choose wisely. Making wise decisions isn't as easy as it seems. I recall hearing about a man who hired himself out to a farmer. He became a farm hand. And on the first day of the job, the farmer sent him out to chop wood, to which he did diligently all day. The second day, the farmer sent his new farm hand out to pull weeds. And so from morning till evening, he pulled weeds. He didn't complain. He did a great job and worked hard. The third day, it was raining. And so the farmer put the farmhand in the barn, set him on a stool, and gave him bushel boxes of potatoes with this assignment. I want you to go through all of these bushel boxes of potatoes and separate them. Throw the rotten ones away. Out with the bad ones. Keep the good ones. And after doing that all day, the new farmhand quit. And the old farmer didn't understand why. He said, I, I don't get this. The first day you went out and chopped wood. The second day you went out and pulled weeds. It was hot. You were sweating. You didn't complain. You did a great job. The third day, all you had to do is sit there and sort potatoes. Why in the world did you quit? The man shook his head and said, I just couldn't stand making all those decisions. <laughs> Y'all don't get good potato, bad potato. Good potato, bad potato. You know, I don't know about you, but sometimes I feel that way. Hmm? It's not 
hard work that we don't like. In fact, we enjoy hard work. It's making all those cotton-picking decisions that wear us out. Yet, here's what I know. Life is full of decisions. And it's our decisions that will either make us or break us as human beings. Dude, I'm telling you. Can I say this? I said it first service. This is not the best sermon I've ever preached. But it is one of the most important. I I know people that that are very dear and near to my heart. I have family members who are good people. They come from a good family. But you know what? They've just made some bad decisions in life. And they keep making bad decisions one after another. And let me tell you, those affect your life. And not only do bad decisions affect your life, they affect the lives of others. But you know what? So do good decisions. I'm thinking right now when God appeared to Moses at the burning bush. You know, for 40 years, Moses has been on the backside of nowhere with no one. And all of a sudden, one day, God appears to him in this burning bush. And God speaks to Moses and says, Moses, I've chosen you to go back and lead my people out of Egyptian captivity. Moses had a decision to make. Was he going to stay in that comfortable place where he didn't have to deal with people? (laughs) Wouldn't that be awesome, huh? Or was he going to do what God called him to do? It was a big decision that would not only affect his life, but the lives of millions of people. Remember when the angel recruited Gideon to lead Israel? Gideon had all of these personality problems and conflicts. He he had an inferiority complex saying, I can't do that. I'm the least of the least of the least of the least. I, I could never do that. But yet God called him and said, Gideon, yes, you can. And Gideon had to make that decision. Can I overcome who I think I am to become the person God wants me to be? I think of Delilah as she tempted Samson. Did you know his entire fate was sealed in a bad decision that he made? Samson wasn't thinking right. Women can cause that to some men, but that's a totally different sermon, isn't it, huh? What about this? When the prophet Elijah preached to the children of Israel, he told them to decide to whom they would follow. In fact, he said to them specifically, how long will ye halt between two opinions? If God is God, serve him. If Baal is God, serve him. Quit riding the fence. Make a decision. When Jesus said, follow me, Peter and Andrew had to make a decision. Would they follow Jesus? Every human being, every person in this room here today faces a multitude of decisions throughout their life. And our ability to make good decisions is potentially the greatest asset that we have. But let me tell you, it's hard work. There's nothing easy about making good decisions. Sometimes it's anguishing, isn't it? And I know this, every one of us in this room wish that we could go back and turn back time and go back to a poor decision that we made and remake it. Am I preaching to the wall or what? I think we all feel that way. When William Crow was chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, this is what he told Time Magazine. I have known individuals who make big decisions and they never give it another thought. He said, I can't do that. If it's a big issue, I don't sleep soundly. (laughs) 
And maybe you know what he's talking about. Well, we can learn to make good decisions that allow us to sleep soundly. And as you can imagine, the Bible is full of instructions on how to make good decisions. Today we're going to be looking at that from the book of Proverbs. In fact, Proverbs 12, 26 says, The righteous should choose carefully. And then Proverbs 5.23 warns, Death is the reward of an undisciplined life. Your foolish decisions trap you in a dead end. Jason, that's from the message. Don't you love the message, man? Foolish decisions trap your life in a dead end. So as you read through the book of Proverbs like I've done this past week, it, it seems to me there are three great techniques given in order to make good decisions, all right? So again, that's what we're talking about today, how to make good decisions. And so I want to share these three techniques with you, and I ask that you write them down because you're going to need them, all right? Are you ready? And this is not rocket science. I mean, Jeffro Bodine might be able to pass this test. These are pretty simple things. Here we go. Number one, when you have a decision to make, whether it's huge or whether it's small, first thing you need to do is talk it out. You need to talk it out. Go to a friend. Find a counselor. Seek out an expert. Find someone who can look at the matter objectively and seek their counsel. So point number one is talk it out with somebody. You might say, well, preacher, is that biblical? Yes, it is. I'm glad you asked. I could have listed a dozen scriptures this morning. I'm just going to give you a sampling of them. Proverbs 11:14. For lack of guidance, a nation falls, but many advisors make victory sure. Proverbs 12:15. The way of a fool seems right to him, but a wise man listens to advice. Proverbs 13:10. Pride only breeds quarrels. But wisdom is found in those who take advice. Proverbs 15, 22. Plans fail for lack of counsel, but with many advisors they succeed. Proverbs 19, 20. Listen to advice and accept instruction, and in the end you will be wise. And then I've got to love Proverbs 24, 5, and 6. It says, A wise man has great power. And a man of knowledge increases strength. For waging war, you need guidance. And for victory, you need many advisors. You know what? We, we might say that this is so important that it helped win the American Revolution. In 1776, the Declaration of Independence was signed on July 4th, and within six months, it appeared that the whole thing was a lost cause. The fledging American troops had been defeated in New York. Washington had lost 90% of his army. Despair descended on the colonies, and it looked like it was just going to be a matter of time before the British won. On one side, you had General George Washington. On the other side was Lord Charles Cornwallis. At very critical moments, both of these men convened their councils of war. But the two men had totally different styles in leadership. Washington would bring his advisors together and would actually listen to them. He asked them, what is the plan of attack? 
What do you think we should do? How should we go about this? And then they would hammer together a plan of attack, listening to the advice of one another. Cornwallis was totally different. He held court. (laughs) And he occasionally let some of his leaders speak, but he paid no attention to them. He did what he wanted to do. As a result, Washington made a series of better decisions and the British forces lost a war that they were on the verge of winning. And it all happened because Washington listened to Proverbs chapter 20, verse 18, which warns, make plans by seeking advice. If you wage war, obtain advice. Doesn't that make sense? If I've got an important decision that I need to make, doesn't it just make sense that I find some wise, godly counsel and talk it out? Listen to godly counsel. I've been pastoring here for 20 years, and I cannot tell you the number of times that we have done this, whether it be with a staff or with the church board or me talking to other preachers from other churches, seeking wise guidance and wise counsel. Listen, it only makes sense. It only makes sense. You need people in your life to give you guidance and to give you wise counsel. And I believe, listen, I believe that's why Kavanaugh Church is a successful growing church. is because we listen to good counsel. We listen to you guys. We really do. Uh, years ago, I, I realized the need that, uh, that we were having with, uh, with an area in our church as, as far as security is concerned. You know, isn't it sad Isn't it sad that our world has come to a point in time where you would think that a church would be one of the safest places to be when, in fact, it's not a safe place to be anymore? Isn't that sad? You might think, well, I don't feel unsafe right now. Well, it's because we've got something going on here I'm talking about, all right? But every single day, things happen up at this church that, that, you know, have just made me very concerned and very aware of your safety. And not just for you as adults in here, but for our kids. We have a children's center that uh, is here Monday through Friday, have 125 kids. And, and I'm very concerned about their safety. On Sunday mornings and Sunday nights and Wednesday nights, I'm very concerned about the safety of your kids. And so we've been talking about this for years. Jason and I have been talking. Staff have been talking. Brother Johnny and I have been talking. What, what can we do to make Kavanaugh Church the safest place that it can be? And you know what we did? We talked it out. And here's what we realized. We realized that we didn't have the answer. Now, here, here's, here's the cool thing that I know. Everybody in this room is good at something. Do you know that? You're good at something. There's something that you are, quote unquote, an expert in, something that you're really good at, you're gifted at. And we realize that as a church staff. We have a church full of people who are great at doing certain things. And so in our discussion, we say, okay, if if we need a security team to help keep our people and our kids safe, who do we need to seek advice from? It's very clear. Ron Brown. Ron's Crawford County Sheriff. Ron is an expert in security. I don't know if you remember the, the problem they had in Crawford County a couple of years ago. Uh, man, it, it was a disaster in the courthouse. They had to redo their entire security system. It was Ron Brown who did that. The guy knows security, man. 
And so it was a no-brainer for us. We, we need Ron Brown's advice. And so with Ron Brown and Danny Shu, who's prosecuting attorney, Sebastian County, we sat down and we listened to them. We went through meetings with them. We sought their advice. And they hammered out a plan for us to be as secure as we possibly can be every time we come together. And so Ron implemented that. We got a team of, of 60 men who are on the security team. And I tell you what, for the first time in 20 years, I don't have to worry about your safety on Sunday mornings. Isn't that great? I can, just, I can just come in here and be worry-free about the security of our kids, and I can preach to you knowing that we've talked this out and we've got a plan of attack. Isn't that great? Now, let me tell you, I couldn't have come up with this plan on my own, but I sought the advice of someone who was an expert. It, same thing in my family life. I, I've realized through the years, I've been married a long time, I've realized through the years that, you know what, sometimes I need help in making decisions for my family. And it, it came very clear when I, was, when I just first got married that, that there is a, a, a perfect brain under the blonde hair of my beloved wife. She's, she's a smart girl. And so I realized very quick, Miss Gill, that for my family, I needed Angie's advice. And if, if Angie had a warning light about something, about a decision, I need to back off of it, man. I need to look at it again. Because here's what I figured out. Two brains are better than one. Okay? Now, I'm going to come to this in a minute, so don't, don't get lost here. But there's, there are some decisions I have to make on my own. And sometimes, as the man of the house, I've got to make decisions for my entire family that may not be popular, but God has given me the responsibility of making that decision. However, before I make the decision, I guarantee you, I'm going to talk it out with my wife. We're going to talk in agreement in making any kind of medical decisions or financial decisions or legal decisions. You know what? I've got to go seek good advice in making personal decisions of all sort. I need advice. So guys, here's the deal. Before making a decision, you need to seek the advice of someone who can look at your situation objectively and give you good godly advice. I went off for a second. I'm back on now. You got that? Now, just let me do a real quick timeout and kind of do a parentheses thing here. Here's the way many of us do that. We go seek advice from people who are really not any smarter than we are and who don't know any more about the subject than we know. But what we're looking for is someone to agree with the opinion we've already determined in our own mind. And we'll go through 10, 15, 20 people until we finally find someone who agrees with what we've already decided we want to do. And then we put our stamp of approval on it. That's not good. That's definitely not what the Bible is talking about when it talks about seeking advice. My suggestion to you is this. This is what I've done. I've got about five people in my life that I respect Five people that have proven themselves as godly individuals. Five people that I can bank on, man. And when I have a decision to make that is of great importance, I will seek the counsel and the advice of these five people. Whether I like what they say or not, because I know that they love me, and out of their love for me, they're going to tell me the truth, whether I want to hear the truth or not. And so pick some people who are godly individuals. Godly individuals. 
and seek their advice. Number one, you talk it out. Number two, you ready for number two? You're saying, yes, hurry, please go on. Number two, not only do you talk it out, but number two, you think it over. You think it over. John Wesley, the great preacher, said, God generally guides me by presenting reasons to my mind for acting in a certain way. Dr. J. Oswald Sanders said, God generally guides us by the exercise of our sanctified judgment. Now, what both of these guys are saying is this. God has given us a brain, and he expects us to use our brain in thinking through problems and in coming to decisions. Earl Nightingale wrote an essay entitled, The Great Problem Tool. And it's all about the human brain. Nightingale claims that most people only use 10% of their brain. Have you ever heard that? I used to hear that all the time. My dad would tell me, you're only using 10% of your brain, son. In a lecture, Nightingale put it this way. It's the last place on earth the average person will turn for help. You know why people don't automatically turn their, turn their own vast mental resources on when faced with a It's because they've never learned how to think. Most people will go to any length to avoid thinking when they're faced with a problem. They will ask advice from the most illogical people, usually people who don't know any more than they do, next-door neighbors or family members and friends stuck in the same mental traps that they are stuck in. Very few of them use the muscle of their mind to solve the problems they are facing. You know what? All of us have to agree. That is so true. That is so true. Most of us, when we are faced with big decisions and problems, all we simply do is base our decisions on impulse. It's how we feel at the moment. And that's the decision we make. Instead of using our brain to think things through, we, we just act on impulse if we're mad, we'll act in a mad kind of way. If, if we're happy, we may act in a joyful kind of way. But we base our decisions on emotions rather than on our mind. I figured that out several years ago, and I don't do it every time, but I tell you what, I try as hard as I can to think things over before I make a decision. I ponder my steps. And you know what? When I do that, I'm going to make a better decision than when I just act on impulse. That's why I've learned that when I'm faced with a big problem, I need to back away from it, man. I need to talk to advisors and seek counsel, but I need to spend some time thinking it through. Okay? I can remember years ago, big decision had to be made here at Cavanaugh Church, and I was the guy that had to make it. And it was going to affect the church, its future, and a lot of people's lives. And I didn't know what to do. And so I just packed up my stuff and I went to the mountain. <laughs> I went to the high point in Arkansas, Mount Magazine. You can climb up to the high point there. It's the highest point in the state of Arkansas. I know that it is so because there's a plaque up there that tells me it's the highest point in the state of Arkansas. And so I climbed up there and there's this, there's this wooden bench up there that people can sit on. And it was in the middle of wintertime. Nobody was up there except me and maybe a bear or two. And I used that bench as my altar. 
And I laid my body out on that bench, and I prayed, and I cried out to God, and I was able to back away, and I was able to think things through and weigh things out. And after a long period of time, God made it very clear to me what needed to be done. I couldn't have made that decision here under the pressure of the situation. I had to get away and I had to think it through. I am a big advocate of thinking things through. Is that biblical? Yes, yes it is. Proverbs 14.8 The wisdom of the prudent is to give thought to their ways. Proverbs 14.15 The simple man believes anything, but a prudent person gives thought to his steps. Proverbs 21.29 A wicked man puts up a bold front, but an upright man gives thought to his ways. So you need to think it through. Talk it out, think it through. The great Methodist preacher Charles Allen tells a story about this. A man came to see him so confused that physically he became sick. Here's what the man said. If somebody doesn't tell me what to do, I'm going to go crazy. And so Alan told the man that he couldn't give him any advice until he had heard the entire story and all the problem. And so he said, just lay it out for me. And so the man laid it out. He, he gave details of what was happening. And Alan listened to the whole story. And then the great preacher said to the man, in effect, you know what? That's a big problem you got. That is a difficult situation. And right off the bat, I can't tell you what to do. I'm going to have to think about that. I'm going to have to process it. Before I give you advice, I need to pray about that. But he said, you know what? You've been thinking about this a whole lot longer than I have. What do you think you ought to do? I mean, if you were going to give yourself advice, what bit of advice would you give? And Alan said he sat back and the man started talking about it and pretty soon he outlined a marvelous solution to his own problem. And so Charles Allen said back to the man, that seems to me a fine answer and that's the best answer to your problem. And so the man got up and he thanked Dr. Allen and told Dr. Allen he was the wisest and most sensible man he had ever met before. <laughs> and when the guy left the room, Allen just shook his head and said, you know what, I didn't do anything for that guy. I just helped him use his own mind and think through the problem. God gave us the most advanced piece of creation in the entire universe, and our problems and decisions can be arrived at through really thinking through a situation, and then finally, number three, by pondering it in prayer, by praying it through. So you talk it out, you think it over, and then you pray it through. Church, I'm going to get real personal with you right here, okay? Just be up front, real close, real personal, and tell you how it is in my life. Every decision I've ever made in my life, I've prayed about. Big decisions, big time praying. However, there are some times in my life when, when I don't have a lot of time. It's one of those decisions that have to be made right here, right now. You've been in places like that, okay? You know what? You can still pray. In those situations, here's what I find myself do. I'll be whispering a prayer. I'll say, Lord, I've got to make this decision. Please give me wisdom to make the right decision. But I always pray before I make a decision. If it's a big decision, 
I do what I call cross-praying. It's not cross-fit, it's cross-praying. It's the kind of praying that Jesus did in the Garden of Gethsemane, right before he faced the cross. Remember when Jesus prayed, and those great sweat drops of blood dripped from his face? What was his prayer? Father, not my will, but thine be done. That's the best praying you can do in making a decision. Lord, not, not my will, but I want your will to be done. And when you're making a big decision, guys, let me tell you, you've got to pray that way. Because you've got to do God's will, God's way, if you're going to be success, successful in life. Remember where we began with all this? You make your plans, but it's God who directs our steps. And if you're not doing God's will, God's way, you're going to have a miserable life. And so every decision, you pray, God, not my will, but thine be done. And I can tell you this, for every decision I've made, I've prayed that prayer. Why? Because I understand the whole scheme of things. And here's how it works. To do God's will, you've got to be sure that you're in the middle of God's will. Does that make sense to you? 20 years ago, uh, and you're sick of hearing this story, I know, but I like telling it. 20 years ago, your pastor of 28 years left here to go become president at Hillsdale. And that Sunday night, Bob Butler called me. I was in Plano, Texas, and he said, Will, our board has met. We want you to be the next pastor. My initial response to Bob was, Bob, thank you, but we're, no thanks. I mean, I'd, listen, I'd already spent seven years in Arkansas, Pine Bluff. I didn't want to come back to Arkansas. We were living in Plano, Texas. We had a great church. We were living the life, just me and Angie. Had little Whitney. Callie wasn't born yet. Man, it was, it was awesome. And can I tell you something about my wife? You know she was raised here in Arkansas, but let me, let me, I'm just going to step out on a limb right here. Angie, what, what is your favorite state in the union? You're not going to say that? She's told me privately. It's Texas. <laughs> it's Texas. No lie. She loves everything about Texas. Everything's bigger in Texas. You know that? It's better in Texas. She loves the Dallas Cowboys. She loves the Texas Rangers. We loved our life in Texas. It was awesome. We were living the dream. And so when Bob called me, I told him, no, I mean, I, I don't want to move back to Arkansas. And even though Kavanaugh is an awesome church, a great church, can I tell you, listen to me, I didn't have any desire to come here. Because common sense tells you, you don't follow a pastor of 28 years. You don't follow a long-term pastor, because the next guy's not going to last. He's just going to be a scapegoat. Uh, honestly, that's the way it works in church life. And I knew that. I even sought some advice, and some of the godly people that I go to said, Will, don't touch it with a 10-foot pole. That'd be the worst decision you made. And so I told Bob no. Every week I got another call from a church member, somebody on the board. They, I found out later they were kind of revolving that around, taking turns calling me. And so they would call and say, hey, would you, would you really think about coming? i say, no, I'm not interested in coming. I'm, I love it where I'm at. This went on for weeks. Finally, one afternoon, I was walking in a, in a city park behind the Collin Creek Church in Plano. Our church was right there on, on Parker Road, and there was a, a city park behind our church. And I was walking around a little pond they had at that city park. And I was just talking to God, and I was praying to God. 
And the Lord said to me, not in a verbal voice, but he said to me, Will, you've been praying about this all wrong. You've been praying selfishly. And you know what? He was right. I had been praying about coming here, but I was praying selfishly because I didn't want to come here. And so I started praying the cross prayer. Lord, not my will, but your will be done. And all of a sudden, I started seeing things from a different perspective. And, and God, I, I don't want to say God showed me the light. <laughs> but he did. And he said, here's what the Lord said to me. I made you for this. This is where you're going to go. And this is what I'm going to have you do. And before I ever came here and talked to the board, the Lord laid it out for me what I would do if I came here. And I knew when I came here 20 years ago, this was God's will for my life. Now, how did I come to that conclusion? It wasn't easy. You know what it was? Here's the word I used to describe it. It was a struggle. It was a struggle. There were nights I didn't sleep. I couldn't eat. I was struggling internally with this decision that I knew would not only affect my life, but my family and a lot of other people's lives as well. It was a struggle. And you know what? Here's the thing about it. Nobody else could make that decision for me. I talked to my dad about it in Stanton, Texas. We were at my sister's house. We stood out in the driveway. We talked about it. Angie and I spent hours talking about it. I sought the counsel and advice of other people. But you know what? When it came down to it, I had to make that decision. Because it was God's will in my life. And nobody else could make it for me. Now, why am I telling you this? Well, it goes right along with my sermon. But I also shared this with a friend of mine this past week who had he's faced with some big, big questions, big decisions that he can make, has to make. And here's what I told him. I said, dude, I'd like to take the struggle away from you, but I can't. You've got to go through this struggle alone. Because here's what it comes down to. Please follow me. I'm almost done here, but listen to me. It comes down to this. This is a great church. Wouldn't you agree with that? I mean, it's a great church. Kavanaugh's an awesome church. I mean, dude, dude, just, you know, just this year, we, gave, we had a Give It All Sunday where you gave $44,000 to international missions. There's no other church that does that. This past Sunday, you gave $5,513 to buy Gideon Bibles. I don't know of another church that does that. It's an awesome church. We've got the best church staff that there is. I mean, without a doubt, our worship pastor is the prettiest worship pastor in the world. I mean, goodness. But having said all that, it hasn't been a bed of roses. And I'm sure not whining and griping or complaining. I would never do that. But you know what? I've been down some, some dark roads since I've been here. I, I have faced some pretty tough situations. And had I not known that this is where God wanted me, had I not gone through that struggle that brought me to the other side that said, Will Harmon, this is God's will for your life. Had I not gone through that struggle, I wouldn't have stayed here. 
I would have left a long time ago. Now, I'm not, I'm not tooting my own whistle. I'm just telling you, this is the way it's got to be. And in my opinion, which may not be worth much, I think the reason a lot of people hop around and, and make a decision and change their decision and don't do this or don't do that is because they have never gone through that struggle to know this is God's will for my life and what, come what may, this is what I'm supposed to be doing with my life. Reminds me of that, that kid that was at Hillsdale when I was there. He was, he was in the dorm right next to me. And, and uh, after a month, he, he packed his stuff and he was going home. And so the president called him into his office and, and, and said, you know, tell me what's happening here. And, and, and the kid said, well, I'm, I'm quitting. I'm going home. And President Wade said to him, said, well, hasn't God called you to preach? And he says, yes. He said, well, didn't God call you here to, to prepare yourself and to become a, a better man of God? Yes. He said, well, then why would you leave? And here's what the kid said. God does work in mysterious ways, does he not? <laughs> now, that, that, apparently that wasn't very funny to you. It's kind of funny to me. It made me think even back then, you know what? This, this kid's never nailed it down. He's never nailed it down. But when you pray that prayer, Lord, not my will, but thine be done. God's going to show you his will. He, he's going to give you a clear path. He's going to show you what you need to do. And then you know what you need to do? You just need to do it. Proverbs 20 verse 21 says, Many are the plans in a man's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. When God gives you direction, act on it, man. Step out in faith. Live the will of God. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He will direct your paths. So here's what I know. Life is full of decisions. Maybe you're facing some big decisions right now that will affect your future, your family. Here's what you need to do. You need to talk it out with somebody. Find some good godly counsel. You need to back off and think it through. Allow God to work in your mind as you think about it. But most importantly, you need to pray about it. And you need to pray the cross prayer. Not my will but thine be done. Decisions make us or break us. You know what? The biggest decision is what are you going to do with Jesus Christ? Have you made that decision? Because that's where it all starts. Maybe you haven't. Today you can. Make the decision to follow Jesus, to give him your heart, your soul, your mind, your life, to be saved and born again. Because here's the cool thing. When you make that decision... All the other decisions become that much easier. Why? Because he's now your heavenly father. And he loves you. And he's going to guide you. So would you bow your heads, close your eyes. If there's anyone in this room that needs to be saved to make the decision to follow Jesus, I invite you to come during our invitation and pray the sinner's prayer and invite Jesus into your heart. For the rest of us, man, let's come and ask God to give us wisdom and direction Help us in making the decisions we're faced with right now. This week when I wrote this sermon, I, I was thinking all week, you know what? This, this is one of these Sundays where really, in all actuality, the altars should be full. Because it's practical stuff, man. Every day we need God's wisdom in our life. We, we need to be making good decisions. 
And the writer of Proverbs tells us how. We talk it out. We think it over. We pray it through.